you know, nine out of 10 patients, they'll come in saying, I don't like this. And like you said, as the teeth are straightening, they, they spend so long looking at their teeth, they'll find other things they don't like. So it's just always worth gathering this information at the beginning, you know, as much as you can. And um, so you can uh, exceed the expectations rather than under deliver. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Do you remember when you had to learn a new skill? Maybe in dentistry, you were learning a new technique, a new procedure. Maybe you were learning orthodontics. What were the things that you're most worried about back when you were starting out? Or maybe you're thinking about going into orthodontics. What is it that worries you? You know, for me at the beginning, I have to say IPR was a tricky subject because it's not really the theory because the theory makes sense. You know, you create some space, you move some teeth, the theory is all fine. And we know evidence-based suggests it's pretty safe if done well. And we'll talk about that in this episode, but it's more about the how-to and how not to do it wrong because once you've seen the photos of when it has been done badly then that's all haunts you so when you're there doing your ipr you're you're sort of underdoing it at the beginning you're not doing you're not you're not creating enough space and therefore you're not meeting your treatment objectives as fast enough or if you're god forbid removing it overzealously or your technique is such that it's leaving your teeth in a slightly suboptimal morphology. So these are all the considerations I was having when I was starting out IPR. So then I consulted some mentors, my principal, who was very helpful in helping me uh, to do the right techniques using the burr. My principal taught me how to use a burr, and I'm very thankful for that. It can be a topic that can be of concern for some people because we all want to do a fantastic job for our patients, and we, want to, we all want to do it safely and effectively. So this episode will hopefully cover a lot of the nuances of interproximal reduction for orthodontics, and I hope it helps. I'm joined by Dr. Devaki Patel, who is a specialist orthodontist, and she's going to be showing us a few diagrams, a few of the, the strips that she uses, and how to use all these sorts of tools, when to use them, when not to use them, because you know it is very much case dependent. Every case will come at you with its unique challenges, and therefore you have to adapt your techniques to be specific to that patient you're treating. The protrusive dental pearl I have for you is an orthodontic one, because the chances are, if you're watching or listening to this, then maybe you've already started to dabble in orthodontics. Maybe you do a fair bit of orthodontics already. So it's only right that I make the pearl an orthodontic one. And um, chances are that nowadays you may be using a clear aligner system of some description. Now, some of these clear aligner systems have got their softwares, which they can uh, emulate uh, a, a virtual teeth, if you like. So uh, some companies may call it a ClinCheck. When you're looking at your ClinCheck, the first thing that you need to do, and the pearl is basically the first thing you need to do is check that the bite setup is correct. Because every now and then you get a ClinCheck back and you like the look of it, it's looking good and you approve it, but you don't realize that actually right at the beginning, the technician who was setting up your case, uh, either because they didn't have the correct information or the best quality information, i.e. the setup wasn't perfect for them, it wasn't easy for them, they've set the case up wrong, which means that the occlusion that you sent them is not quite what is actually happening in the patient's mouth. So 
my pearl for you is if you're doing um, a clear line system with a ClinCheck type of software, uh, the first thing to do when you get your case back from the technician is check the setup. Make sure the teeth are touching correctly as they are in your patient's mouth. Because uh, sometimes they do get it wrong. And I've, and I've spotted this for, if they get it wrong, then your whole treatment plan from there will not be accurate. It will be completely arbitrary because it, it may align the teeth to some degrees, but it will not match the arches up. So that's my protrusive pearl for you today. So let's join Dr. Devaki and learn all about IPR. Devaki, uh, thank you so much for coming on the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you? Yeah, I'm brilliant. Thank you so much, Jess, for having me. I'm so happy and excited to do this. No, no, it's, it's going to be a great topic. It's, a, it's, it's IPR. So this is all about IPR. And the reason yeah. I wanted to discuss about IPR is because, um, as I was saying to you earlier, sometimes when you've done something like I've been doing orthodontics for a few years now, I've got a diploma mm -hmm. in orthodontics and obviously you're a, you're a specialist. Uh, we're going to come on to a little bit about your journey and stuff. But sometimes yeah. when you've been doing something a, a while, you almost forget or you disengage yourself with the struggles that you had at the beginning. And for me, one of the struggles I had is like IPR, like how to orientate your bow, which strips to use, how to use them safely. And, and you know, with being a minimally invasive dentist, you're, you're almost like really yeah. worried about cocking it up. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, especially now we want to be conservative, you know, um, especially with IPR and something like enamel, you, you can never get it back once you've taken it away. So um, it's something really important. You want to plan it properly. And, um, you know, if you uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. So <laughs> Absolutely. And once, once, once you see photos or once you actually see clinically um, some IPR that hasn't quite gone to plan, that's yeah. a really horrifying scene. So that's why uh, I'm really, really happy to be covering uh, IPR. So we're going to make this the most impactful uh, content, hopefully audio and video uh, on interproductal reduction. I do think with some of my episodes, uh, the, the video version may uh, ha have better value. But obviously, if you're driving or you're chopping your onions, you want to listen to something, then this is going to be <laughs> hopefully useful to you still, because we'll discuss a little bit about the history and the evidence base and the sort of risks and stuff. But we'll, we'll cover A to Z. And we want to make it, uh, like you said earlier, Devaki, we want to make it very clinically applicable. Yeah, exactly. So it helps everyone. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Devaki. Okay, so um, I'm a specialist orthodontist. Um, I actually uh, graduated my ortho training last year, so quite newly qualified in that. I um, did dentistry at Barts in the London and uh, qualified in 2013. Then I did my foundation year and I, I pretty much knew at undergrad that I wanted to do ortho. So everything after that was just ortho, 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 want to get in. And as you probably know, it's just jumping after one hoop um, after another. So um, after that, I did a year in MaxFax and then I did a year in paediatric community dentistry. You, you, did, you did the very standard classic route. Standard classic route, exactly. You know, doing posters, publications, presenting, that sort of thing. Um, because I, I knew what I wanted to do and that it, there is a specification of how to to do your application. I just followed that really closely. And then I um, applied for training. I got in and went back to the Royal London again for uh, another three okay. years. <laughs> um, so yeah, really enjoyable. And I really love ortho, it's, it's, it's amazing job. That, that definitely shows through uh, in your social media channels. And that's why it's great to have you on someone uh, passionate about what they do, which is what this show is all about, basically. I wanna bring passionate people on uh, with their respective topics. So yeah, it's, it'll be great uh, speaking to you about this. But one thing I, I do want to know, Devaki, is 
I, I used to joke, and please take this light. I used to joke. I used to joke before I did myself did a diploma in orthodontics that uh, okay. If you, okay, and take this lightly. I said yeah. I used to say that if you if you don't like dentistry, do ortho. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's not a joke. <laughs> no, but I realize, no, no, no. You can know, basically, uh, <laughs> I've since changed that view, obviously, since I, you know, I, I've started getting more involved in orthodontics. But it was just yeah. a little thing because I find that, you know, if you don't want to fiddle around with a bit of gum and the and the matrix fan, that you want to uh, work more with your with your mind. <laughs> exactly. You know what? It's not even a joke. If you ask most orthodontists, not many of them really liked dentistry and, um like you said orthodontics is pretty much 90 percent just in your mind it's planning and then 10 percent mm -hmm. actually doing mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so um it's very it's very clean and it is like that it's, it's just basically like a puzzle you have to absolutely. figure out yeah yeah absolutely and yeah. One, one thing I, i've appreciated more for you you know specialists and anyone doing orthodontics is that you know in restorative dentistry uh, and even let's say occlusion and prosthodontics there's so many conf conflicting views and opinions okay mm -hmm. but but they've got nothing on the world of author. You guys, uh, the author world, uh, honestly, you guys have like some polar camps who, you know, you've got the Damon, you got the Damon lot, you've got the MBT lot, yeah. you've got the, or, you know, the author, orthotropics, orthopedic orthodontics, uh, yeah. the people who tell you that if you remove premolars, you're going to die because you won't get any oxygen anymore. <laughs> yeah. So you've got real uh, polar views in orthodontics. Yeah. You've got extractionists, non-extractionists, you know, Invisalign, Lingual. Yeah, you've got so many different teams. So that, it's, 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 um, it sometimes gets confusing, but it, all, it also makes it very interesting. It does. And you can choose the type of clinician you want to be and, and the way you want to practice. So it's great. Awesome. Well, let's talk. Let's just dive right in, uh, as I say, to the first question about IPR. So the mission yeah. here is to help those starting out with IPR uh, to do it safely. And even those who've done a fair bit of IPR just to revise are we doing it the best way could there be a more effective way because there are sometimes more challenging scenarios to approach so let's start off with by talking about the methods uh, of IPR or maybe we should talk about um, IPR from the beginning as an IPR as an alternative to extraction uh, and what mm -hmm. the evidence base is perhaps for, for IPR yeah of course so um, IPR stands for interproximal uh, reduction it's known under many different names. So it's also known as stripping, slenderization, uh, polishing. There's so many different names for it. They all mean the same thing. What do, what do you it, say to your patient? Um, I actually call it interproximal stripping. Um, I guess it's the way I was taught, but um, the way I, sorry, the way I say it to the patients is just mm. like filing in between the teeth or polishing yep. in between the teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's just much easier for them un to understand. Um, and actually, the way I would describe it to a patient is very different to to a clinician. Um, and it's a method of space creation. Right. So if I see a case and it is case dependent that has mild crowding or uh, early moderate, but mainly mild and mild as anything up to four millimeters, I would want to go down the stripping route as a, as a method to create space. It's not just a method to create space. You can use it for various other ways. For example, retracting your lower incisors if you've got particular class three tendency. So a bit of a, a reduced overjet. Um, if you've got a Bolton's two size discrepancy. So you want to um, correct that. You've got a discrepancy. So Let's yeah, let's touch on that. Yeah. For those listening right now who don't know what a TSD is, a Bolton's two-size discrepancy, if you just briefly yeah. describe what that is, because actually uh, from my uh, orthodontic uh, teaching that I've had is that sometimes mm -hmm. if you use IPR inappropriately, you actually create a TSD. 
Yeah, you're completely correct. Yeah, and that's why it's really uh, worth mentioning it. Um, so Bolton's 2000 discrepancies, basically, uh, you add up the mesial and distal widths of your anterior six teeth, or you can extend it uh, to the posterior teeth. So they're two different types. And um, if there is a discrepancy of the sum of the mandibular widths to the maxillary widths, um, there is a figure. Um, it's, I think it's 91.3% for for your what it should be. And if it's outside two standard deviations of that, then you've got a Bolton's two size discrepancy. So, the, yeah, sorry. The, so. My professor who taught, taught me had a really good analogy to, in a way to describe uh, uh, TSD. So tell me if you've heard of this one. It, it's like uh, the foot and the shoe. So your shoe has to be just a little bit bigger than your foot, okay, uh, for, for it to fit uh, snugly and perfectly. But if either your foot is too small or your shoe is too big or your shoe is too small and, you know, your, your, your foot is too big, vice versa, then that is a, a discrepancy. And so either if you've got your maxillary uh, teeth too big or yeah, your mandibular exactly. teeth, just, and, and it could be various combinations, but it's not going to fit together. You're not going to get the right overjet. Yeah, exactly. And that can present as, so if you've got too much tissue in the top, you're going to have an increased overjet, for example. Too much tooth tissue in the bottom, you've got a reverse overjet. You're going into a class three kind of bite. And that's so important. I mean, one of the things you need to consider when you're aligning teeth is you don't want your lower teeth to procline. You don't want them to come forward. You want to maintain their position. It's so important for stability too. So um, that's why a bit of IPR can help maintain your lower inside position mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there are three different ways um, you can do IPR. Uh, you can do it with a incidental strip, um, a abrasive strip or a, a diamond encrusted strip. Um, you can also use a rotating disc um, at, and you can also use a burr. So there are the three kind of main ways. And there have been a lot of more developments on those, for example, um, uh, oscillating hand pieces and that sort of thing. But they're predominantly the three different areas in which they're used. Mm -hmm. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Orthodontists have a lot of uh, breadth of evidence on various things. Like I know there are some studies yeah. looking at the fact that uh, if, if you were to um, pre-stretch some uh, elastic before you apply it, does it make a difference or not? And like, you know, even like look at the minutiae yeah. of details. So is there any evidence to suggest that one way, one method of IPR is superior to another? Um, most of the evidence is about um, the effect and stability of IPR. There isn't really, I haven't come across any studies um, comparing no, the different types of IPR. Um, I think that is basically case dependent and also the you, how comfortable the user feels with using these methods as well. Um, but there is plenty of evidence to suggest um, how much IPR is appropriate. For example, Sheridan in 2007 said um, 2.5 millimeters for the 
anterior five contacts and um, I think it's 8.4 millimeters for the buccal eight posterior contacts is an ex acceptable amount. And then uh, there have been studies to show that anything more than 50% of the enamel thickness can be detrimental to the tooth in terms of developing decay and periodontal problems. So um, that's why anything less than 0 0.5 millimeters is deemed acceptable. Is there any point? So, so the, that's that's great. So, take home message is: if you're in and around zero point five or less, you should be okay as a, as a whole. Obviously, um, there are other tooth morphology issues we'll come on to later. Exactly. But, yeah. yeah. But as a general rule of thumb, zero point five yeah. and, and below is fine. Now, I, I once had a case where um, I had a lady who her upper her main complaint was that she didn't like her upper central incisors; they were too big, and mm -hmm. and and the, and the width of her upper central incisors per tooth was around about ten point three, ten point five millimeters each so that's like mega doncha uh, uh, category so um, mm -hmm. in that case I actually uh, want, uh, for my clin check for a, a liner case I requested a bit more IPR than what I would normally do to help me overcome this issue is, is that an acceptable thing to do in, in, in case certain cases yeah, I think if you've got um, a tooth which is megadont, then that is acceptable. Um, obviously, it can be used to recontour teeth um, if they've got unusual morphology, and it's also optimizing aesthetics, right? So um, your central is an aesthetic zone. You want to give the patient the best uh, result possible. But then you also have to consider the shape of the tooth. So uh, McLaughlin and Bennett have described three different um, shapes of teeth. So you've got triangular teeth, um, rectangular teeth, or barrel-shaped teeth. Um, and uh, if you've got a parallel tooth, it's not really advised that you, what I mean by parallel is a rectangular shaped tooth. It's not really advised. So that ma maximal area of contact between the teeth. Exactly. Yeah. Um, IPR in those sort of teeth is not really advised. Whereas if your central is kind of triangular shaped, then you can afford to take away uh, tooth tissue near the incisal um, contacts. So it would lend itself better. You had a, a, a diagram, I believe, to, to, to show this. Yeah, exactly. So um, excuse the poor drawing. It's fantastic. <laughs> but... It's way better than what I could do, honestly. <laughs> so um, here's an example of some lower incisors. Um, these teeth are fan-shaped, fan so triangular-shaped. Um, and here, this, this red area is where you would carry out IPR. And you can see that we've taken away a lot more tooth tissue um, incisally relative to the gingival area so the tooth on the on your right was the triangular one whereas the, the 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 one on your left is is the rectangular one yeah exactly so you can see how it affects the amount of enamel you take away mm -hmm, big time but then imagine that um tooth tissue removed then you've got parallel edges you would then use that to re relieve your crowding and then move the teeth together mm -hmm. but uh, then i think it's also mentioned uh, good to mention something um something to your patients and also for us to know as well as black triangles because obviously uh, the as we get older um, we, we suffer bone loss and um, migration of the gingival tissue we are going to have black triangles and patients often notice it as the teeth align because if you've got overlap teeth and they align you're going to start noticing these things so um, that's another case where IPR can help if you have the fan-shaped teeth I'm I'm a huge fan of using uh, IPR to to detriangulize teeth uh, and to uh, get rid of black triangles. Uh, and it's a great thing to do. And a, a term that I actually learned from Tiff Crush some years ago is is a, is PPR. So it's 
predictive proximal uh, reduction where um, mm -hmm. you, you know you're, you're you're doing it in advance so that as the teeth move into the correct position uh, aligned position that you've already accounted for that uh, so it's a, it's a great thing to plan in advance so that you can actually um, remove the amount of enamel that you need to 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 get a a more rectangular appearance and there and, and therefore get rid of a black triangle yeah exactly and um i i, I mean i never i never tell a patient that i'm completely going to get rid of this for you um because you never really know and you, you don't mm. want to take you you don't really want to take away if you have that fan shape you can't take away the tooth tissue which is further gingival right so i say i always say i can um, if you've got the parallel i mean if you've got the the barrel shaped tooth that, that's yeah. when it's difficult yeah that's when it's difficult that's when i say i i, I can't because if they're parallel, you're just going to end up removing quite a bit of tooth tissue and um, even ex uh, to the extent where you could traumatize the gingiva. So. Mm -hmm. and, and you're completely right. Communication with these patients. So don't over promise because so it's, yeah. not, it's not 100 percent predictable if you can get rid of them or not. You can say exactly. I'm going to try uh, and this is what you maybe end up with. But I'll try my best and let's see how your body responds. But the other thing is that, um, you know, you learn this early on is that if you don't warn the patient about black triangles, uh, then, then you're you're really fighting a battle. And, and the, the best way I find is that when I show them a photo of their crossed over tooth, mm. um, I say that, can you see that your teeth are squashing your gum? Your gum is squashed. So when your teeth become straight, your squash gum, unfortunately, doesn't grow back. You're going to have a uh, area where spinach will get stuck. Can you imagine what I'm saying? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, exactly. And and it's it's nothing you're you're doing wrong. It's it's basically their anatomy. So if you explain, you know, this is where your bone sits and this is where your teeth sit, and there's a void, and that presents itself as a triangle, that um, they they pretty much understand. Mm -hmm. And as a restorative dentist, um, I'm happy and I like using the BioClear um, matrices to close these black triangles. So sometimes where it's uh, where you you see that it's going to be difficult to close fully, uh, then mm -hmm. you can tell the patient that, look, there may be some additional procedures you may require afterwards uh, with, mm. with, with composite or whatever um, to, to make sure we can get the full closure that we want. So it's often uh, unrealistic to say that orthodontics alone will, will sort it, but obviously it's yeah. case dependent. Yeah, it's case dependent, but I completely agree. You're right. And it's good to have that uh, alternative option. Brilliant. So now we've, we've just, we touched on the three methods uh, of IPR. Which do you prefer? I personally uh, prefer the abrasive, the diamond strips. Because Can you show us uh, which ones? Can you show the listeners? Yeah, which is sure. Which ones? Yeah. So um, I normally um, buy an assortment. So this is single sided diamond and the color is yellow. Here we go. This is the finest. It's extra fine. It's then followed by red, which is fine. And then um, blue, which is medium. So normally I, I would always suggest if you're if you're trying to carry out IPR, you go in first with the um, serrated metal strips because that helps break the contact mm. point. Then I would use a yellow diamond strip like this um, to go in and kind of see it, a bit like floss when you see it around the tooth and go up and down um, and then the other way. Um, and then I would move on to the red and then the blue. And then you measure, it's always worth measuring um, how much you're taking away with a um, IPR gauge. Mm -hmm. So I think I got this from Henry Shine or... I mean, I know a lot of orthodontists who have just been doing it for, for so long and uh, colleagues that they just eyeball it. I personally find that uh, I'm I'm much happier to use the gauge. Uh, it just, yeah. it's very, very scientific. It's very proper. I, I like doing it. But have you got any tips? Because uh, look, 
that gauge is, 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 you can't always use it. Now, it's a great opportunity for me to show you that case uh, that we can discuss uh, some, some difficulties you may have with IPR. And we can actually discuss mm -hmm. this case. How would you plan the IPR? So let's, let's do that. Okay, great. So uh, this patient came in with crowded lower anteriors, main complaint. And there we are. I've been a good boy. I haven't done any more than 0 0.5 mm -hmm. anywhere. Uh, so in, in that scenario, let's just pause that there. In that scenario, once you've removed some enamel on here, I might use something like a soft lexis, a coarse soft lexis to just remove yeah. some material and a bit of the strips. I certainly wouldn't be using burrs in this case because I think you're just contacting the, the gingival area, not actually doing anything higher up where you need to do it. Um, is there any, in this case, is there anything different you do? And also, in this, in this instance, you may not be able to use your gauge, right? You can still use the gauge. I find you can still use the gauge because... The way, the way I do it, I don't do it all in one go. So I'll mm -hmm. spread out my IPR. And especially when you're planning your um, your clean check, you have to think of each stage as a different stage in its own right. Mm -hmm. So you plan, for example, we know that your lower left two and your lower right one need space, right? So you're going to have to do IPR adjacent. So that's where I would start off doing my IPR adjacent to those teeth so that I could then bring them in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think you're completely right. I mean, you could even use something like a separator to be able to, to uh, facilitate access for IPR and then use the strips. And then I, I know a, a lot of my colleagues, they start with the strips and then they will use something like a um, mechanical IPR system or the um, air rotor discs. Mm -hmm. I, I think what I found useful in cases like these is to uh, use a... Um, uh, measuring d device. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. It's a very normal measuring device. Uh, I've, I've, you know the the tools. Uh, so in in, in this case, I've, I use uh, like a, a digital caliper to measure beforehand, yeah. and then when I use my Softlex disc or maybe even a burr, very carefully under high magnification, just to remove that sort of um, the incisal part where it's a bit more triangular, and then mm -hmm. measure it again. I find that sometimes uh, in my hands can work better than using the, the IPR gauge because I, I just find uh, in between that lower left two and lower left one, I might find mm -hmm. it quite difficult. It, it might be like an angle. It might not be like, uh, especially after the first visit, completely sort of um, adjacent to the tooth. Yeah. No, yeah, they are. They can be tricky. You have to put them in in a certain angle to get them down because especially in between the laterals and the canines, the ca canines are so bulbous. So you can have a really sometimes quite a tight contact point there. And what are you hoping to feel with the, the IPR gauge? I mean, should there be a little, should, cause sometimes you, you try and put it in gently and it won't go through, but if you just put a little bit of force, it'll go all the way down. So um, my understanding is that however a floss should feel, so like, you know, you have to do a little bit tight, the IPR gauge, it's okay to just force it a little bit. Whereas some people have said that actually there should be no resistance. You should be able to go all the way down. So which is the right way? Um, I could I could liken it to how floss feels when you're taking it through a contact point. Mm -hmm. but so not, it just not, needs a little little um, bit of a, a nudge. Yeah, but not not to the point where you're you know ramming it down. Then mm -hmm. then you haven't done enough. Yep. So so normally I normally spread out my IPR. So I do about 0.2 for example at a time. So if we look at these, I'll always start by getting the 0.1 in. And once I know I've got my point one in, and the point one is so thin, you know, some people have this space between their teeth already. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I'll go point two. Um, you can even get other ones where they have 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 0 0.15, 
0 0.2, 0 0.25. Um, that's how I would normally do it. I actually really like these. I think it works really nicely. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's a really handy tool to you as well. Completely agree with you. So I'm and, just gonna finish off this. Yep, go for it. Okay, there's no space in there, but either you go through this way or you'll go through downwards. Is and it, it the same thing? Yep. Yeah, either way, it should be the same. Yeah. That's point that's point. Thank you for that. That's really handy to to see. So uh, just to go this case. So yeah, uh, that's how the clean check. Obviously, clean check is cartoonodontics. Uh, it's not real ortho, so always uh, uh, yeah. don't compare it to real life. Uh, it's just a guide. So anyway, we, we got this through one round of um, uh, aligners. Uh, okay alignment so far. We're just going to do some additional uh, aligners to get the torque correct. Uh, mm -hmm. And you'll see here the, the, the asymmetry of those incisors as well. But it's it's not a bad way, so it's pretty good result. Patient was chuffed. Uh, the patient yeah, actually wants well. to patient wants to stop now. I'm like, no, 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 it's not quite perfect yet. Let's just <laughs> let's just get that perfect and, and we'll be happy. So um, now if you, if this was your starting position, Devkina, if this was your starting yes. position, and let's say there was a space requirement to remove uh, 0 0.5 millimeters, here, I might then be happy to use a burr, and in my hands, I'm happy to do 0 0.3, 0 0.4 at the same at the first day, and then just do a little bit as we go along. I know my principal, uh, Richmond, he's very happy to do as much IPI as possible where the contacts are already straight. What are your thoughts on that? I, I always think it's better to be conservative with your IPR. You know, um, after you've taken away that enamel, you're not getting it back. And you also have to think about the aesthetics. What's it going to look like? If, it, if they're going to look like tombstones, it's not going to be nice for the patient. So um, I prefer not to do all my IPR at one go. I like to mm -hmm. stage it because teeth are continually moving and you need to forward think and think, where are my teeth wanting to go? And then do the IPR to facilitate and create space for them to move, if that makes sense. If you do it all at the beginning, you could lose space and space is at a premium. So especially with IPR. So you want to be really, really um, careful. I'm, I'm happy and I respect that because that's the beauty of dentistry. You know, everyone's got different opinions and, and different ways to do it. So you're in the camp that you like to do it uh, sequentially. Um, yeah. I, I am quite case selective. Some cases I'll, I'll do it uh, sequentially. Uh, other mm -hmm. cases where I have to admit, if I've got a beautiful straight contact, um, then I'm, I may be happy to do a bit more. But I, I see your point about uh, them looking yeah. like tombstones. I, I yeah. think in clear, clear mean, alignment, <laughs> you get away with it more than it fixed appliance. Yeah. Well, to be honest, in fixed, normally we wait until the teeth are aligned and then carry out our IPR. So mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a little bit different. And there shouldn't really be a difference because whether you're doing fixed or Invisalign, you should plan and treat the same. But I, I also like to mention that it's really worth when you're planning that you consider your rotations because I always uh, correct my rotations first before any IPR because you always will gain space from derotating teeth. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Otherwise, you might be left with too much space at the end, then you ha then have to close. That, that's that fair. Makes sense. Yeah, it does. I'm just trying to visualize that. So uh, a central, an upper central incisor. If if an upper central incisor is uh, rotating, it, it 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 will it will usually uh, require space, right? Yes. Yeah, sorry. What I mean by that is um, your your premolars and your posterior teeth. So, sure. yeah, sorry, that's confusing. Posterior rotated teeth will give you space. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anterior rotated teeth are crowding. Yep. They, they need space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, in, 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 and just leading on from that, in those scenarios where um, you've got those uh, barrel shape or parallel uh, contacts and you want to uh, avoid IPR, then maybe in those cases, if it's still a mild case, you should be looking towards uh, expansion, arch development. Is that, is, is that how you're looking to uh, achieve your space? 
Yeah, so if you're going the non-extraction route, you want to be thinking um, about things like expansion. Now, we know that expansion is a great way to achieve space creation, but it's also can be quite inherently unstable, especially in the lower arch. You don't really want to be expanding the lower canine to canine. Um, so um, there's lots of studies on that from Little and others about how you, you've got a higher risk of relapse if you expand the lower end to canine width. So you, you want to keep that the same, but then you can expand more on the pro-molar or I think there was one about uh, how IPR can actually improve your stability. Do you want to just touch on that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so there has been research to show that IPR can even um, help stability post-treatment. Uh, Peck and Peck suggested that if you have parallel edges, then there's less chance of contact slippage. So in theory, your teeth should remain and um, stable after treatment. Um, and I, I can even in if you're using common sense, that makes sense, right? I mean, if you've got parallel, if you've got more contact surface area, it just yeah, yeah. There's, there's less arms for them to come away. Yeah. So um, IPR has even been used as a reason to achieve stability in cases like that as well. Okay. So um, here is a patient who had quite significant crowding. Uh, you can see that she probably has about five millimeters of crowding. And uh, it's displayed in the anterior region, but because it is quite significant, it's also extended up to where the premolars are. So I actually did two plans for her. I did a plan where we did a lot of IPR and an extraction of a lower central incisor. She didn't want an extraction at all. So hence, we're going with this plan. Mm -hmm. But we can see if I'm just taking it through, there's a lot of IPR at the beginning. But just because it says 0.3, I might not do the whole 0.3 right at the beginning. But I will always make a note of how much I've done. And I think mm -hmm. medico legally, that's really important as yeah, well. Yeah, it's gold, um, gold standard. Yeah. So I use my gorge. Um, I even up the contacts. The teeth will then start to move. And you can see that it's been planned so that as the teeth need it, the IPR is taking place when it's highlight highlighted in yellow. Mm -hmm. so uh, and uh, and you're using your the Devaki approach of sequential uh, stripping as you go along. Yeah, exactly. Any deviation in this case, for example, that uh, lower left premolar and molar. If you just go back to when it was a bit crowded. So yeah, tell us oh, always between the two premolars. So that's a tricky one because if you start, um, if I was to start stripping the mesial surface of that lower left second premolar, then mm -hmm. actually that's that would be the buckle. That would eventually be the buckle surface, right? If I start, if I just put a strip there, imagine I put a double-sided strip there yeah, between exactly. the lower left four and five. You're actually removing it from the buckle. That's not where the contact is. So in that case, I'd be more inclined to get my uh, soft flex disc out and actually disc the the mesial surface. Is is there a better way to do it than that? Is there a different way? Yeah. So alternatively, you could use um, a really fine non-cutting burr. And uh, the burr I would like to use, and I will only use burrs posteriorly. So anteriorly, I'll just use the strips only mm -hmm. because I'm more control. I can protect my soft tissues with cotton wool mm -hmm. rolls. Um, you can also use suction to protect your soft tissues. But posteriorly, I'll use, um, if I need to take a significant amount away, I'll use the burr. And the burr I use is, oh, they're the strips. This is the burr. Yep. So um, this is from Top Dental, but you can get these from various other suppliers. Mm -hmm. It's non-cutting at the bottom, and the, the diameter of this um, is 0 0.3 to 0 0.4. So it's giving you the amount that you want posteriorly. 
Some yep. other flame shape burrs are, are more than that. That's why I don't like to use them and um, I have less control. Whereas here, I mean, he's using this anteriorly, but I would use it posteriorly. Yep. Uh, let's just put your hover your mouse over that photo again the way that the this clinician is using it now um there's no right or wrong because uh, that is what mm. works in your hands and your experience uh, so let's just start with that there's no right or wrong now some people and i've seen some videos back when i was um had my first ipr case coming up some years ago and i was looking at okay how am i do ipr and i was watching all these videos and stuff and and asking different uh, different clinicians and some would yeah. say hold the burr like this and go up and down okay whereas others would say no no, no if you do that and you slide Slightly deviate, you make a nasty uh, shape, a nicely, nicy little ditch a, in the tooth. A ledge, yeah. A ledge, a, a negative mm. ledge in that way. So then uh, the other way to do it would be hold it uh, like like so vertically, and then just do that little brush strokes, which is what I do most ninety nine percent of the time. That's what I'm doing. Um, do you have a preference? Because obviously you're doing it posteriorly. So I mean, going near the gingiva and going up for me, it's it, that angle. It doesn't make sense to me as much. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd have to agree with you there. I prefer to go parallel to the tooth rather than perpendicular with a burr. Yeah, but if you can get the right access, I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do, but if you can get the right access, if you're very experienced doing it, just be very careful, use high magnification, it, it, it would be my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, um, going, uh, going incisally, going downwards, parallel to the tooth, just enables me to remove more tooth tissue where I need it, where it's mm -hmm. where there's more incisally. Um, I don't really want to remove as much gingerly. Um, and although it's a non-cutting burr, I'm just trying to think about where I want to remove. What, what, do, you, what do you mean by non-cutting? So um, these burrs, they're, they're, they're non-cutting at the tip. At the tip, yeah. Yeah. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, strips. So um, is there any uh, technique to hold it? Uh, for example, I've seen some clinicians go really, really fast, and, and that's the way to do it. Uh, others put a lot of sustained pressure. Any tips you can give us? Uh, is there a wrong way to do it in, in certain holding it, whatnot? I think um, I don't know if there is particularly a wrong way. Um, the way I do it is I do it pretty much like in this image. I'll I'll bring it down and I will um, see it around the tooth bit like floss and then I will do this yep like that um up and down um just to make sure that I've removed an equal amount now some people criticize strips because they say they're time consuming etc um but I feel like with the strips you have the most control and it happens really slowly so chances of any soft tissue trauma or anything like that are reduced I feel mm-hmm I, I agree with you. I think uh, the, the, these strips have been a, a constant source of uh, repetitive strain injury for me. Uh, yeah. it, it is a controlled way of doing it. But yeah, sometimes when you're doing like 0 0.3 or uh, with, with the strips and you're really there and the patient's like, when's this going to end? So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that's when I think you want to then go in with your disc or your your file with the, yeah, the as, a, as an adjunct. You don't have to just use one. You can mix and match. It's a good. Yeah, point. exactly. This is this is a good entry and then you can follow on with those other ways mm -hmm. do you apply fluoride as a as a rule every time you do ipr so there are mixed views on this there's some evidence to say it's good to reduce plaque formation and things like that um but other evidence to say it's unnecessary i personally don't use fluoride unless someone is reporting that they get quite sensitive teeth to me beforehand i don't use fluoride i just recommend them a sensitive fluoride toothpaste um 
I'm I'm in the I'm in the same camp as you. So um, I I used to apply fluoride all the time until I looked at the evidence and suggested actually uh, the saliva is going to do a good job of remineralizing it and you don't need it. Uh, And the other thing is that um, what message are you sending to the patient if every time they're coming in and you're like we have to apply the fluoride, don't eat for half an hour or or whatever, they're thinking oh my my man my enamel is getting weakened. Uh, They're having to do all this adjunctive stuff, so it sends the wrong message, I think. So I, I, I do it for sensitive patients, just like you. Yeah, and even in the evidence, Sacrison did a 10-year follow-up study and people had very minimal um, uh, risks associated with it. You know, there wasn't much sensitivity, no periodontal or um, caries risks associated Mm -hmm. with it. So I just think, you know, it's case dependent. Has the patient got good oral hygiene? Um, Have they got healthy gums? If if so, then... That's the most important thing. Yeah, Right, cool. I'm going to check for any more questions. I think we've done really well. I've, uh, you've, you've, uh, Devik, you've pretty much answered all the, the questions I had. Um, is there anything that you think we want to cover to make it a really, uh, you know, cutting edge resource, excuse the pun, uh, for, for IPR for, for, for beginners? I think um, the most important thing is planning. So it's really important to take the time at the beginning to assess how much crowding you have. Where is the crowding? Look at all your your factors. What is my tooth shape like? What are the aesthetics like when the patient's smiling? How much tooth show do they display? I mean, a lot of this information you will get from your assessment. And then when you're planning, don't just follow what the ClinCheck's telling you. Um, Although Invisalign plow billions of pounds into their um, system, and it's a really great system. I love Invisalign, but it is about the clinician planning the case. And that's one thing I think is really important. So think it through. You can tell uh, Invisalign, I want IPR at this stage. And that Mm. will make you an even better uh, clinician um, if you put your take on it because you are the person planning the treatment. Invisalign is just a tool. Brilliant. I, I love that. And one thing you just reminded me of is uh, you mentioned earlier about whether you're doing fixed appliance or Invisalign, the, the movements and the stages of, uh, of the of the movements are, are very similar, if not identical. Um, so in fixed appliance, you're waiting for the contacts to become parallel, uncrowded, mm-hmm. and then you're doing uh, the other IPR. Whereas um, when I've been on the, the Invisalign courses before, they, they, they're very scared about round tripping. Yeah. Can can you explain why why is the, why are Misline folk uh, scared of round tripping? <laughs> we're actually in fixed appliance. We we are around tripping a lot. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, my professors would kill me for this, but I mean, in theory, you should never round trip ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, min- minimize round tripping, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, basically, in fixed, in theory, you shouldn't be round tripping either because you should be cinching back your wires, controlling your AP arch length and things like that. Um, so round tripping isn't a good idea, whatever you do, because you're proclining teeth, you're putting strange on the gingival tissues. You should also also be considering if that patient's got thin gingival biotype. Um, and again, this is where people just accept the clean check, but they don't realize or, or may not take consideration into what are my patient's gingival tissues like? Can I just leave them changing their liners every week without monitoring that? So um, that's really, really important. But I I completely understand what you're saying. With fixed uh, treatment, you're in night eye wires, the teeth are tipping everywhere. Um, I'm sure if we actually then put that on a clean check, we would see a bit of 
a bit of forward back movement um mm. but with invisalign the beautiful thing about it is you can digitally digitally see where the teeth are going to go so because of that uh, foresight you can plan for it not to happen and that's mm-hmm. why i love the super imposition tool because i could say and i i specifically say to invisalign unless my teeth are retroclined and i can afford for them to come forward a little bit mm-hmm. i can say to invisalign do not procline the lower incisors yep yeah and then um if, if there's too much ipr lower three to three i'll take it back to the premolars premolars mm-hmm. are bulbous you can afford to do that Perfect. Yeah. So I think that answers it well. So we want to ideally minimize uh, round tripping where we can. And with the, yeah. the beauty of uh, ClinChecks virtual plans, we can stage our IPR in a way that it will have to mean less IPR, even though they're not fully um, uh, aligned just yet. But you can split the strips. I think it gives you that ability to take away mm-hmm. a little bit per time. And I've just realized something that we, we didn't do is that we, we talked about round tripping, but there may be some young dentists out there uh, who don't do any ortho, who are just listening in and they're maybe thinking about starting ortho and they have no idea what round tripping is i didn't know what round tripping was when i was an undergraduate and uh, maybe you did because uh, author was your passion area uh, can you just explain round tripping yeah so round tripping is basically as the teeth align there's a tendency for the lower incisors or even the upper incisors to procline and um, that is called tipping and in ortho you want to talk the teeth uh, to enable the roots to be in a stable position so then what ends up happening is after your NATO wires, for example, you go into uh, more rigid wires and the teeth end up coming back because you're then talking them because you're moving the roots in the right position. I don't know if that's a good explanation. No, it's but, fine. So it's, it's coming forward and then coming back again. You're, you're going yeah. around again. And, the, and the then you're straining the gums. Of, the strain, exactly. I was going to comment. So why is it round tripping bad? It's, it's gingival. Uh, uh, the supporting structures may be taking a bit of a beating. Exactly. And you always want to move teeth in bone. So if you're just uh, if they're just proclining, um, there's a risk of you, uh, you know, God, God forbid this would ever happen, but perforating um, yeah. the cortical plate, etc. And so, getting these uh, gingival recession areas and whatnot. To his sense and that sort of thing. And this is another uh, really important tip is if you do notice any recession um, in your assessment, it's really worth noting it and measuring it and documenting it because um sometimes the recession can get worse as the teeth align so that's a really good point uh, i think our photos help us but it's medically legally really good to, to measure it with a, a perio probe or something because every uh, orthodontic patient i've ever had who mm. had significant or moderate to significant recession to start with but they were periodontally healthy and we've, we've chosen to do orthodontics you know what they all say they all email me like, especially in lockdown period I'm, I'm, I'm emailing i'm checking in my patients and they all say you know what i feel like my recession's got worse in fact so, some of my whitening patients okay i just give them whitening trays which are nowhere near the recession because i want to keep it away from the root surface area yeah. and they come back so yeah my teeth are whiter but i think the whitening caused my recession but what they it, it, it's just they are more aware of the recession now and some sort of teeth are aligning there that you can see the areas where you couldn't see before. So uh, a lot of the times patients are, are thinking, oh my God, my recession has gone worse or whatever, but really it, it's probably not happened. But if it has, you need to make sure you're on top of it and that's where your documentation comes in. Yeah, I completely agree. And, and uh, you know, nine out of 10 patients, they'll come in saying, I don't like this. And like you said, as the teeth are straightening, they, they spend so long looking at their teeth, they'll find other things they don't like. So it's just always worth gathering this information at the beginning, you know, as much as you can. And so you can uh, exceed the expectations rather than under under deliver. 
that's a really good communication point there. So what, one thing, the, uh, the way I like to do it, uh, Devaki, is uh, when they say their main complaint, um, and then I, I say to them, okay, and and what else? Anything else? And then they might say something else. But if you didn't ask them that, they would have never said that second thing. And then you keep going. You keep asking them keep until going. they have yeah. nothing more to say. And then I sometimes tell my patient that, okay, the reason I'm pestering you is that although you're unhappy about this main thing here, I often find that when we sort that one main thing out, then you notice all the other myriad, myriad of things. So it's really important that you you know you take a good objective look. Uh, obviously, subjective as well because beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and orthodontics exactly, is essentially yeah. that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a great communication point you raised there to to have a, have a chat with the patient in that way. So Devaki, thank you so much uh, for for, for coming so on and, and and helping us about uh, IPR and getting the nuances and uh, how to hold a burr and the different methods and a brief overview of the evidence. Really appreciate it. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on here. I've really, really enjoyed it. And I hope people find it useful. I'm sure they will. Thanks so much. <laughs> Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Devaki all about IPR. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end. As always, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to suggest a topic, please get in touch. Follow the Facebook page, follow the Instagram page, uh, and let me know how I'm doing. I want to put on some good topics. I'm enjoying myself. Look, I, I love podcasting. I love learning from my guests. So it's a, it's a hobby of mine. And if you find it's bringing value to you, then please share it with your friends and, uh, and, and suggest some topics that I should cover. Thanks so much once again.